Thank you, Bob. Just going to make a quick call. No, I'm joking. So, uh, good morning. Uh, my name's Mick, and this morning I'm going to be continuing our series on the Holy Spirit, and we're going to be looking at the uh, gift of the Spirit of prophecy. Now, I'm already going off piste of what I prepared, because uh, I felt as we were, um, just as we were worshipping, that actually I needed to explain why the elders have asked me to do this, um, and not someone else. Um, and so about a year ago, I felt a prompting from the Lord just to press in to the prophetic. Um, and so I've been doing that ever since, and I have taken up uh, some training opportunities that have come up through Relational Mission, our family of churches. Um, I signed up to Julian Adams' prophetic online course. He's a big prophet um, in the New Frontiers world. Um, and so that's why they've asked me, because I've been pressing into it. I'm by no means uh, the expert above anyone else. Um, but they felt that um, as it was something that I've been pressing into, that I would be a good person to uh, explore this with you this morning. So that's, that's why I'm stood here this morning. Um, now I'm going to go back to what I uh, had originally prepared, and I'm sure I'm going to drift once or twice, which is why I've just started a stopwatch so that we're not here for two hours. Um, okay, so prophecy. I wonder what comes to mind when you think of the word prophecy. Uh, for some of you, it will be something very familiar, something, a gift that the Spirit has given you that you practice regularly. You've been in churches that regularly practice the gift of prophecy. I mean, you're quite excited about this morning because you're like, yes, we're going to see loads of prophecy this morning. It's going to be amazing. I can already see some nods and some laughter around. Uh, for others, it might be something you've not really experienced before. Uh, you're not really sure about it. You've heard the word prophecy. You're, I don't really know what that is. Um, maybe it's something that was for when the Bible was about and when that was written, but I'm not really sure whether it's for now. Some of you might uh, think of all the prophetic warnings in the Old Testament, which are a bit doom and gloom, aren't they, a lot of them? I mean, there's a lot pointing towards Jesus, and that's quite exciting, but there's also a lot of destruction, and I am going to erase you from the earth and things like that. But well, it's not necessarily something where you'd be excited to hear on a Sunday morning. And for some of you, there might be pain. Maybe someone shared a prophetic word or something that they felt has been a prophetic word to you that's hurt you. Perhaps it wasn't done in the right way. Perhaps they shouldn't have shared it with you at that time. And so perhaps right this morning, you're dreading hearing about this because there is pain there. This morning, I am going to take us through what prophecy is, what the Bible says prophecy is, whether it's for now What else am I going to do? How do we prophesy and what do we do for it? And so wherever you're coming at, at it from this morning, I hope that we can all come on a journey to understand a bit more about prophecy. It won't be the end. When I sit down at the end of this, it won't be the end. We can continue exploring this together. Um, but hopefully by the end, we'll be on that journey together um, in understanding prophecy. So... 
Uh, let's jump right into scripture. If you've got a Bible with you, uh, either in dead tree format um, or digital, uh, if you would like to open it to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 1 to 5 together. And I'd like to thank Pete for quickly putting it onto the slides because I forgot to tell him this week which passage we were going to have. So thank you, Pete. Um, that means that those of you who don't have a Bible in front of you will be able to follow along as well. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in, tongue, in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. So, what is prophecy? If you hadn't already guessed uh, from uh, how we've been talking about uh, the Holy Spirit, this prophecy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, it actually comes from the Greek word that means to speak forth by divine inspiration. So it's a revelation from heaven, from God, beyond our power. It's not something that our minds have constructed on their own. It is a come from heaven to our minds. It is something that is, uh, as verse 3 says, it's to speak for the upbuilding and encouragement and consolation of the church. So we're going to have a little look at why uh, there is a change in tone in the prophecies from in, within the Old Testament to the New Testament. But it's for, it's for those things. It's for the upbuilding, it's for the encouragement, and for the consolation. Last week, God helped, uh, God. Last week, Steve helped us understand uh, that tongues are man to God. And so quite simply, prophecy is God to man. It's that divine revelation. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, it says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but the men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So that's the simple definition of prophecy. He says simple, just casually like that. Um, so what about those Old Testament prophecies? Well, the Old Testament prophecies come from the Old Covenant. And the Old Covenant, uh, for those who don't know, were the rules that were set, laid down in order for people to become right with God. Uh, we spoke about this, I think it was last year when we did a... Uh, uh, series, actually. So if you want to understand more about the Old and New Covenants, uh, go back to have a listen to that. But the prophecies, therefore, in the Old Covenant were pointing towards Jesus. So as I said, there's been prophecies, there were a lot of prophecies about the coming of Jesus, but there was also prophecies about what would happen if you didn't follow the rules of the Old Covenant. And so that's why it was a bit doom and gloom, because we couldn't follow all those rules. We weren't able to, and we needed someone to save us, and that's where Jesus came along. And Jesus saved us because we couldn't do it, and he died on the cross to take our sins 
to, so that we could be in relationship with God again. And then he defeated death by rising again three days later. And so that brings us to the new covenant, which is Jesus. So we don't need to be told what happens if we don't follow the rules, because what we need to do is to know that Jesus died for us on the cross and rose again. That's what we need to know. And so prophecy in the New Testament and in the New Covenant points from Jesus. So it points from that grace and mercy that Jesus brought by dying on the cross and rising again. You'll also notice that the Old Testament, the gift of prophecy, was given to specific individuals. But in the New Testament, we've already talked, seen there that we should be earnestly desiring the gift of prophecy. That's not to spe specific individuals. That's to all of us. So is it for now? Steve helpfully uh, explained all of this last week, and so I'm not going to go into as much detail as Steve did. If you weren't here, then I'd encourage you, if you haven't already, to listen to that. But nonetheless, I am going to give a quick uh, summary for those who haven't heard, just, uh, just so that we can all follow along and understand what's going on. Um, and so, as Steve shared last week, there is no indicator in Scripture that says the spiritual gifts aren't for now. There's nothing in the Bible that says that they're not there. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8 to 9 says, As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And when the perfect comes, is talking about Jesus' return and the new heavens and the new earth. When he's going to dwell in his people and there will be no sin and death on the earth. That's the perfect. We, we won't need prophecy. We won't need tongues because we will be with him in a perfect new heaven and a perfect new earth. Uh, but for now, tongues and prophecies are something for now. And... We all, what we are looking at today is how we can use those well, how we can uh, guard those well, and how we can use them to grow the church. So, is it for everyone? I've already said it's for everyone. I said that earlier on. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Some translations, like the NIV says, eagerly. So there's an encouragement there for us to really press in. I actually really like the word earnestly because I think there's a raw honesty there. It's not just a give me the gift, I'm really excited about the gift, but it's a I want this. I want to grow in this. I want to bless the church. I want to encourage the church through this gift. I really like that word. Verse 5 says, Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. It says it there in the passage. He wants all. He was speaking to the whole church. He wasn't speaking to the leaders of the church. He hadn't gathered the prophets or, uh, can you five over there, because I think you're particularly spiritual, come, come and just stand here and I'll talk to you. He was writing a letter to the whole church. He wants all of us to earnestly desire the gift of prophecy. Uh, in Acts uh, chapter 2, verses 17 to 18, uh, it refers to a passage in Joel chapter 2. Um, and it says, in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. 
Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. That's everyone. That's the, the male servants, the female servants, the men of the house, the women of the house, everyone has the spirit poured out of them so that they, they may prophesy. So if we are all, call, all able to prophesy, if we're all able to receive that gift, then does that mean we're all prophets? No. It doesn't mean we're all prophets. There's a difference between prophecy and a prophet. A prophecy is something that we do, and a prophet is a person. Now, the, if you look in Ephesians chapter 4, you will see um, the Ephesians 4 ministries, and one of those is to be a prophet. Um, and so, just quickly, I'm going to talk about how one might go about recognizing a prophet as opposed to someone who just prophesies. Um, just prophesies, as someone who prophesies. Uh, one is ability. They have a track record of repeatedly having revelations from God that people have uh, weighed and are confident it is from God. They have a personal calling from Jesus that they should be a prophet. Most importantly for me, the connection to the church. It's from a church, from a church. They're part of the body of church, the leaders are, uh, know them well. They see the gift in them as well. Uh, but they're part, they're part of that body of church. They love a church. There's an anointing which is empowered to carry out that God-given gift. Um, and it's, that anointing is recognized by others, um, perhaps by the elders in the church or perhaps wider, but something that is recognized as, as that gift. And also that they equip the saints. One of the things about the Ephesian 4 ministries is that they equip the saints. So a prophet will help others to grow in the gift of prophecy. They will encourage others. They will teach them. They will uh, walk with them in that gift. So that's how we recognize a prophet. So if it's for everyone, then we should earnestly desire it, shouldn't we? We really should earnestly desire it. Um, because it builds up the church, and it says that in... Uh, Ephesians uh, in Corinthians 14 3 to 4 uh, but it's not just for the existing people in the church it's not just for us to come along on a Sunday morning and have words for each other but it's about building the church um, Corinthians 1 14 24 to 25 says but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters he is convicted by all he is called to account by all secrets of his heart are disclosed and so Falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Jesus modeled this in John 4 with the woman at the well. He met a woman by the well and he revealed her current situation uh, that she had had five husbands and the person she was living with uh, was not currently her husband. That wasn't something that she was wearing on a t-shirt at the well. That was something that the Holy Spirit gave to him as he was chatting to her. But he didn't deliver that judgmentally. He didn't say anything about it other than he said, it is true that you don't have a husband. You have, you have had five husbands. That's, he didn't do it judgmentally. He didn't tell her what to do with that. But from that, it revealed to her who he was. It revealed to her that he was Christ. But more excitingly was it didn't just reveal Christ to her. It didn't just change her life. But further on in John chapter 4, 39 to 42, it says, many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. 
He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. world." The prophetic insight that Jesus had there brought about a testimony, but it wasn't the testimony that saved those people. It It brought them into relationship with Jesus. They came to seek him, and it says so. There in the scripture. And that's exciting. Well, I think it's exciting. Um, And so that's how prophecy will bless those outside of these four walls this morning as well. So, if we're agreed, it's for uh, everyone. Um, And I'm going to assume we are, even if you're sat there still not agreeing with me. That's absolutely fine. We can talk about that afterwards. I'm going to continue as if we are. Um, How do we go about it? Well, very first, we must do it out of love. 1 Corinthians 14.1 starts with pursue love. I don't think it's any coincidence that the whole chapter beforehand talks about love. We've got to do it from love. Uh, Chapter 13, verse 2 says, And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if we have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love. I am nothing. The gift is nothing without love. We've got to love each other. We've got to love the person that God has given us something for. It's got to, got to, got to come out of love. If that's the only thing you take away from today, that's the one I want you to take away. Got to come from love. It's got to be out of relationship with God. We're not going to get a gift from God if we're not talking to him. But we can all hear from God. We can all have that relationship. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why he rose again, so that we could have a relationship with him. John 10, uh, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep, that's us, hear my voice. We can all hear him, but we've got to spend time with God in order to receive the gift and to use it well. So keep pressing in. Keep spending time with God. Keep spending time with God. And out of relationship with each other. The gift is about serving the church and serving each other. It's not for my upbuilding if I bring a prophetic word. It's for the church. It's about building up the church and encouraging each other. Uh, When I was younger, uh, I went along to a meeting and uh, I really hoped that I was going to get some prophetic input. Uh, that was why we were there. It was to gather some prophetic input. And so I wore my I want a prophecy t-shirt, which is really bright. So it's easy for someone who doesn't know me to pick me out and go, you with the orange shirt. Um, and I was stood there and we got, got together in groups. And I was like, nothing was happening. I was like, I really want an insight. I really want an insight. Someone give something. And just our group was a bit dead, to be honest. There, nothing was happening. And so eventually I was like, fine, God, if you're not going to speak to me uh, through these people, is there anything you want me to say? Bam, instantly. One for him, one for her, one for her. God quickly in a row gave me things to share. I went there not wanting to serve. I didn't want to serve the people there. I wanted to be served. As soon as I changed my heart to serve those people, God spoke to me. And then God spoke to me personally as well in that time. And I 
He didn't speak to me through other people, but he spoke to me through his word as I was sharing with others. And I was encouraged and I was built up and I was comforted. We need to do it together. We need to do it out of relationship because we have to be accountable to each other. We have to weigh prophecy. This is a human thing. We prophesy in part. We don't know everything. God won't tell us everything because we, we can't possibly comprehend everything. So we've got to be accountable to each other. We're going to get it wrong sometimes. So we have to be accountable to, to each other. We've got to be in relationship in, with each other so that people can challenge us if we've got it wrong. So we can say sorry when we've got it wrong. We must do it out of relationship. It's at this point that I will say uh, something that Julian Adams uh, says. Is, uh, it, it rhymes, so it always sticks with me. But it's to avoid the hatch, match, and dispatch. If you're bringing a word for someone, avoid prophesying about births and pregnancies, getting married, um, or dying. You laugh, but people do. Some people have, and it can be quite damaging. Even if it did turn out to be right, it can be incredibly... It's not encouraging. It's not upbuilding. It's not going to be comforting. You're going to die is not comforting. <laughs> um, so if God gives you something like that, maybe even if in the past you've had something at the back and it happens to have been true, just avoid it. it it's not going to help out of love. It's not going to upbuild. Okay, so that's the baseline for where we need to be in order to receive the gift and in order to use it. So what are the different types? And I'm going to quickly wrap through these, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on them, but hopefully it will just uh, help you to know which ones there are. So there's the gift of seeing, and that might come through pictures. Jeremiah 1, 11, 12, Lord said to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. And then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. Pictures is often one that uh, God seems to start with. A lot of people who have started their prophetic journey seem to start with pictures. That might not be you, but that does seem to be uh, how God starts uh, growing in a lot of people. There's dreams. I mean, the, the obvious person in the Bible that uh, shows that is Joseph. He had dreams. He interpreted dreams. And there's visions and trances. Now, that sounds a bit weird, because when nowadays we think of trances, we kind of think of either super spiritual things or drug-induced trances. Um, but in Acts 10, Peter's vision before taking the gospel to the, uh, to the Gentiles, he describes it as a trance. When he explains it, he then says, I was in a trance and I received a vision. A trance is just where you're kind of outside of yourself, and the spirit kind of takes over you. It's not, uh, it's not that kind of super weird thing. It's just you're not kind of fully aware of where you are and what's going on. So that's seeing. There's feeling. There's impressions or burdens. So you, something might just be on your heart. Now, that might not be necessarily to share, but it could be to encourage you to press in, to pray for that thing, to pray more, um, and to intercess for that. There's intuition and perception. Daniel uh, was troubled in spirit in 17. And so he considered what the visions meant. He pressed in and asked God because he just felt troubled in his spirit. 
And there's bodily reactions. Um, and this can often come about with healing. Um, and uh, earlier in the year, Lee uh, shared a testimony about a word that I'd brought from the front um, about a, a numbness in a toe. Um, for me, that came about because I felt something in my toe. God had given me something in my toe, in my left toe. And that's, that's how I knew that that was what God wanted to share. And there's hearing. So hearing actual words. Now, I don't, I don't know many people who hear actual words from God, uh, actual voice, a uh, voice of God, but there might be an internal voice. Last week, you might remember, uh, David said that he just had the word salt. Um, and God had given him that word. He didn't have literally the voice of God going, salt. I don't know why God always has a deep voice. He could have a really high voice. Um, but he had, that, uh, he had that word on his mind, and he used that, and he pressed into that. So how can we uh, explore those? Well, spend some time with God and ask him. If it's completely new to you, ask him to give you a picture. And then take that first picture, whatever it is, and then ask him, what does it mean, and who's it for? And just see what he does. He might not do anything with it. Try again another day. Um, but that's a good place to start. So God's done, you've asked God to give you a picture, to give you the gift of prophecy, um, and now he's given you something. Uh, how do we go about sharing? Well, here's a few questions to ask yourself along the way and things to do. Does it add anything? Or is it just something that is... It's quite encouraging, it's quite nice, but does it add anything that furthers our walk with Jesus, that will build us up, that will encourage us? Uh, is it complete? Has God got more? Ask God, is there more to this? Is there more? We don't have to share instantly everything that comes onto our hearts, so dwell on it. Ask God for more. Sometimes God gives us something, and he goes, no, it's not for now. Uh, ask, is it for everyone? Is it for someone, or is it for myself? So on a Sunday morning, you can instantly think if God speaks to you, oh, that's for the church. It might not be. It might be for an individual or it might be for yourself. So ask that question. Avoid the insecurity of being heard. God's given you something um, and you can be really keen to share it. You can really, really want to share it. Uh, but God loves us just the same whether we share a prophecy or not. Don't share because you feel it's there and you have to share it. Share it because God wants you to share it. Enjoying God comes first. If God's given you something on a Sunday morning before you got to church, we need as a corporate body to be enjoying God before we hear, hear those, uh, the prophecy because we want to be meeting with God first and foremost. And we all want to be meeting with God when we start weighing that. So just... Uh, just make sure we're enjoying God first. That, that is important. If you're not sure, seek confirmation from others, someone who you know has a prophetic gift or maybe the host at the front. Tell them what God said and they'll help you weigh whether to share it or not. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 to 33 says, Let two or three prophets speak. And let the others weigh what it said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that we may all learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God 
is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. If there is a lot of prophetic activity on a Sunday morning, we need to be able to weigh those. We can't pile more and more in. We need to hold back. That's everyone's responsibility, not just the leaders. If we've had two or three prophetic words, just hold back. Just rest in it. God will give you the time to share it if he wants to share it. So trust in him that he will give you that opportunity if it's going to be shared. And in order to share it, we need to be clear. Bob already encouraged us to use the microphone so we can hear it. Um, write it down if it's helpful so that you've got the words. And share what God has said and no more. It sounds obvious, but this is something that I can share. If you're talking to a group of people and they've got blank faces, my desire is to try and help them along to what I think is going to be. But it, that turns into me trying to explain what I think God's talking about. I've got just my job when I bring a prophecy is to share what God has shared and then we weigh it together, which leads nicely into weighing prophecy. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 21 says, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecy, but test everything, hold fast on what is good. Paul knew that prophecy was being given from God to man, which means it's being given to something that's not perfect, and which means we could get it wrong, we could mishear, or we might not have it all. And so we need to weigh it together. So how do we go about weighing a prophecy? Don't do it alone. Seek a friend, seek wise counsel, someone you trust to ponder the words given to you. Is it a revelation? Does it bring something that uh, that only God can know about. That can be a really helpful indicator of whether it's a prophecy that we should explore. Does it encourage, build up, and comfort? It doesn't have to be a really positive word, but word necessarily, but it does have to encourage us. It's got to encourage us to maybe action. Does it build us up? Does it strengthen us? Uh, does it comfort us? Does it align to scripture and the life of Jesus? God is not going to contradict himself. Now, I don't mean that every prophecy has to come with a scripture attached to it. It doesn't have to literally say it in the Bible for it to be from God. But God's not going to contradict himself. So God isn't going to tell me to set fire to my neighbor's house. It doesn't say don't go and set fire to your neighbor's house in the Bible. But it does say love your neighbor. And I don't think loving my neighbor involves me setting fire their house. So if someone goes and tells me, I don't think that's from God. No, that's not from God. The Holy Spirit is going to help you. How does it sit with you? If it lands with a thud in your heart, then perhaps it's not of God. If it excites you, if you want to explore it, then perhaps it is. We need to, um, and Steve says this a lot, we need to chew the meat and spit out the bones. There might be parts of what's been shared that don't make sense, that you don't feel are from God, and there are other parts that are. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, necessarily. You need to weigh the whole thing. Go, no, that part's from God. This part doesn't make sense. If you're not sure, then you need to note it down and come back to it. Sometimes God speaks to us now for things far far in the future. It might not make sense, 
But if you have that sense that it, perhaps it's still God, but you're not really sure what to do, jot it down, come back to it, repeatedly come back to it. That, for me, is something that's happened before. I was in a difficult work situation once, um, uh, and I really wanted to get out of work, and a friend of mine prayed for me, and they said that they, I'd be in a position of influence. Now, none of the job opportunities I was seeking at the moment looked like they were going to put me in a position of influence, but it sat right with me. Uh, the Bible talks about Christians being in positions of influence to influence things, and so I, I feel like this is from God, but I, I, I don't know that I don't know what the action is from this. But then, a bit later on, an opportunity came about, um, and I was just reminded of the prophecy that had been given to me, and suddenly I was like, oh, actually, this job's going to go into a project where I really feel like I've got something to add. I could really influence that. And so it encouraged me to go for that job. That job was in an area I'd never worked in before. I didn't know how to do half the job, but I'd weighed that prophecy and I'd stored it up so that I could uh, come back to it. And that's helpful in how we, uh, how we can weigh the prophecy. Uh, in Anna Goodman's book, Connected, uh, she shares a tip from Mike Bollinger about writing down prophecy, and this is uh, the last thing that I'm going to share. But if you want to write down a prophecy and you want to do it in a helpful way, uh, one way you can do it is to write it down and then co literally color it in. Uh, so highlight the parts in green that are about what God's about you and just give thanks for them. Highlight in the, the parts in red uh, what God says he's going to do, the promises, so that you can pray about those. So you can say, these are the things you've promised. Do them, God. And yellow. Uh, color in yellow where God is telling you to act. James tells us to be uh, doers of the word, not just hearers. Now, the colors don't matter. Choose whatever colors you want. But I found that that was, I find that that's quite a helpful way to just judge uh, how to wave, work our way through those prophecy and uh, weigh them. So that really has been quite a whistle-stop tour through prophecy. Um, I hope you found that helpful. And I think what we should do now is just spend some time with God. We're just going to spend some time and wait for the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to encourage two things. If you are seeking the gift of prophecy, if this morning's excited you, if you want to grow in that gift, then I just, I just encourage you to just some, spend some time enjoying his presence and just simply say to God, I want to grow in this gift. So let's just enjoy his presence. But also this morning might have reminded you of a prophecy you've had in the past. And so if that's you, if that's something that's come into your mind now, then I'd encourage you to spend this time and just ask God uh, to talk to you about that. Maybe grab someone uh, to pray. Now, if you're uh, given something for an individual, not just now, but um, any time, I'd really encourage you to go with someone else We've talked about being accountable. We've talked about um, making sure that uh, we share that. Particularly if it's someone that you don't know, try and take someone who they might know. Uh, we might get it wrong, 
And so we need to be surrounded by people who love us and help us walk through what's been shared. So if you do this morning or any time from this time feel uh, that God shared, got something for you for an individual, then uh, please do try and grab someone uh, to go along with you and to pray with you. And we prophesy in part, so God might give them something else as well, and it'll create a fuller picture of what God has to say for them. So without further ado, let's um, just quieten our hearts and spend some time enjoying God. The children will be coming back in uh, shortly, but that doesn't have to interrupt our time with God. The spirit doesn't suddenly leave when the children enter. It might be noisy and it might be distracting. If we keep our eyes focused on him, God will move powerfully with us. So let's, uh, let's close our eyes. Uh, we don't need to close our eyes to hear from God, but it helps us not to be distracted. And let's just spend some time quietly waiting on the Lord.